You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody, episode yeah. 632 of the podcast. And assuming America, the Antor Sports Podcast presented. By Betfred Sportsbook, it is Friday, December 2nd, 2022, people. And when I tell you we got ourselves a loaded Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, I cannot tell a lie. This show is loaded. Here's what you need to know about today's show. We will open with the big news of the day. College football playoff expansion is here. What it's going to look like, we'll talk about that. What it means, why I am not totally in favor of it, but why I do see why some are. We'll discuss the positives and negatives of college football playoff expansion. From there, we'll do a quick preview of the weekend ahead with five conference championship games starting tonight with the USC-Utah Pac-12 championship game. We'll switch gears from there to college hoops. Big 10 ACC challenge went down over the last couple days. Creighton, Texas on Thursday night. A lot in college hoops. And we will wrap with our Friday staple, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. We did not do it last week because I was basically recording from a dungeon in a hotel lobby in a, uh, in Vegas visiting family. But we are back. And when I tell you I'm more wrong on stuff than I've ever been, I cannot tell a lie. That is the dead truth. Before we get started, a couple quick things. One. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. So here is the deal. By now, you know Betfred's story, but I love telling it and I love working with these guys and girls over at Betfred. Started in 1967 in the UK, uh, over 1,600 shops in the UK. They have come to the United States and just made a major splash in the sports gambling world. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies. And as I tell you all the time, what I love about working with Betfred is that they do more for their betters than anybody in the market, okay? I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again. VIP tickets to the Denver Broncos tailgate, we gave them out here on the Aaron Torres pod. Uh, the the Betfred suite at Bengals games, it is popping. I may be there by the end of the year. Also, watch parties in Arizona for Cardinals games. First pitch at Rockies games. You go on and on down the list. Betfred does more for anyone than their betters than anyone in the market. And here is what they are going to do for you going into conference championship week in college football. Bet 50 on any of these games. Doesn't matter which game it is. USC, Utah, LSU, Georgia, UNC, Clemson, whatever it is. Bet 50 on any team in any game. And you get 250 in free bets. Courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook, tell them Torres sent you. It's the best offer going. Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app, Bet50, get 250. Act now before it's too late. Before we get started, I also want to thank Bracket Fanatics, which of course is the presenting sponsor of our Aaron Torres pod, NFL Pick'em Challenge. By now, you know Bracket Fanatics' story as well. We've been working with them for a few years. We've worked with them in the NCAA tournament. They have expanded to the NFL, and they are running our Aaron Torres pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, and they are giving you free cash. Here's the deal. All you got to do, go to BracketFanatics.com, click the Join Bracket tab, Bracket Name Torres, sign up, and here's what you're entered to win. Every week, we're giving out $100 in cash 
to weekly winners. All you got to do, go in, sign up, and make picks for each and every game. $100 at the end of every week, and then we have a $1,000 season-long cash prize. And if you think I'm making up the $100 weekly winners, well, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to last week's winner, KB22. Congratulations to KB22. He has already been connected with Bracket Fanatics on payment. He signed up. He um, he did everything that I asked. Bracketfanatics.com, joined Bracket, signed up, made his picks. Congrats to KB22. He had all three Thanksgiving Day games right, continued it through the weekend. He is the weekly winner. Bracketfanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket named Torres, pick games, $100 weekly winners. And yes, we do have a $1,000 season-long cash prize. It is not too late to sign up. With that said, though, you already know what time it is. Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, we are going into conference championship weekend, but that's not really the topic of the day. The topic of the day is the fact that on Thursday, we officially got word that we are getting college football playoff expansion, not next season, but the season after in 2024. Listen, here's the the, the quick backstory on this, but this has been a never-ending topic. It seems like since the year we added the four-team playoff and Ohio State got in over TCU and Baylor, it was at that moment that the conversation began of, it's not enough, we need to expand, we need to get to six, we need to get to eight, we need to get to 12. And so this conversation has been ongoing And if you remember in the summer, right before week one on Labor Day weekend, I remember because I was getting ready to do some stuff on Labor Day weekend and the news broke, we got word that basically the school presidents hijacked the process and said, we're expanding the playoff conference commissioners, ADs figure it out. It's happening. We're making the decision. And the decision was made at that time to expand the playoff. The question was how soon the question was when the question was what it looked like. Well, this week we got a big piece of news where essentially the college football playoff strong-armed the Rose Bowl into changing how the Rose Bowl is structured. Whether you know it or not, the Rose Bowl is kind of the linchpin, believe it or not, as to why playoff expansion hadn't happened. The bottom line was that the Rose Bowl, can, uh, you know, uh, um, in the current contract, the way that things are set up, the Rose Bowl is always set to be played on New Year's Day at 4 p.m. Eastern, it, it follows the parade in Pasadena. Again, I live in Pasadena, so I know a little bit about this. But in the contract, it was set up that the Rose Bowl would always be played on New Year's Day. Unless New Year's Day fell on an NFL Sunday, then it would be played January 2nd. And so essentially what the college football playoff said was, if you don't change this, if you don't allow us to expand the playoff, then you're out of the rotation for future college football playoffs on Thursday Uh, The Rose Bowl, late Wednesday into Thursday, the Rose Bowl officially announced that they would not stand in the way of playoff expansion. And so we got it on Thursday. We are getting college football playoff expansion for the 2024 season. Literally two years from now, we will be gearing up for college football playoff expansion. So what I want to do now is I do want to spend probably the next, I don't know, two to three minutes explaining what this will look like explaining the positives, the negatives, what I like, what I don't, and then we'll get to this week's conference championship game. In terms of just the structure, let's start with the structure. You all know 12 teams in the college football playoff. That is where we are going to be in 2024. What you need to know, the top six conferences will all get automatic bids. So at, at, at you know, this was one of the big talking points early on, right? Is Is it all at-large bids? Is there only four automatic bids? Are there six? Are there more? Are there fewer? And so we have six automatic bids and then six at-large bids into the playoff. The opening round will have four first-round buys, which go to the highest-ranked conference champions. So the four highest-ranked conference champs will get first-round buys. That means that Notre Dame, unless they join a conference, and yes, the football power that is my UConn Huskies, unless they join a conference, can never get the first round by. And then from there, you just rank teams based on the college football playoff rankings. Teams 5 through 12 will play the opening weekend on campus, and from there, it will go from 12 to 8 to 4 to 2 to 1. The first round is on campus, so for example, 
right now, and I don't go in a lot of different directions. I'm just trying to give you the who, what, when, where, why, and then we'll get into what it means. Right now, as of today, Ohio State is ranked fifth in the college football playoff. So if the conference championship games unfold the way that we expect, if that top four of Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC all win, then Ohio State would be hosting a college football playoff game next weekend or the first weekend of this whole thing. And then again from there, in the round of eight, the round of four, and the round of two, which would be the championship game, that's when it goes to the neutral sites that we all know and love. The Rose Bowl, the Sugar, the Fiesta, uh, the Cotton Bowl, things like that, and we'll obviously crown a national champion. So that's the structure. And what I want to talk about now is the positives and negatives. And I think most people who listen to this show know where I stand. I was not in favor of the college football playoff expanding. I'm still not in favor of it, and I will explain why in a minute. But I do want to talk about some positives because I do want to be fair to the conversation. One thing about me, you guys and girls know. I like stuff. I hate stuff. I try to look at things from all perspectives and all sides and understand them. So in terms of the positives, I do think there are a few. First off, I give credit to the powers that be for setting up the structure that they did. We talked about this back in August when we found out that the playoff would expand. And what I said was the thing that I was worried about was that there would be no automatic qualifiers. It would be all at-large teams. And my worry was that we're essentially going to get a playoff that has five SEC teams, four Big Ten teams, especially with the way the sport is evolving, especially with the TV money in the SEC and the Big Ten relative to everybody else, and that everybody else is going to be left behind. Now, in theory, are schools and conferences probably still going to be left behind? Yeah, but I do like that there are automatic bids. I do like that the Pac-12, if it continues to exist, the Big 12, the ACC, um, I think I, I like that those teams get automatic bids because it then, in theory, slows down the next wave of realignment, which will come at some point. But you don't have to be in one of two conferences to ultimately get into this college football playoff. So that's a positive. The next positive, I will say it's going to be cool to have college football playoff games on campuses. It's going to be cool to tune in on a Friday night or a Saturday. I don't believe they'll be playing on Sundays. So Thursday, Friday, whatever it is. And to see, you know, 100,000 people, a whiteout at Penn State and, uh, you know, Auburn coming to town for a playoff game or Ole Miss coming to town for a playoff game or USC going to Ole Miss or whatever the scenario is. That'll be cool. I'm not going to deny that. It'll be awesome. I think everybody's talked about it. But the idea of Southern schools going up North, I don't think it's nearly as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. I don't think Alabama is going to be, they might be literally shaking in their boots going to play in Pennsylvania in December. I don't think metaphorically they will be though. So those are the positives. And I think the other positives are stuff that you've heard other people talk about in this space. Um, one, in theory, it's going to create more regular season games that matter. Now, again, there will be more regular season games that matter, right? Iowa and Minnesota could be playing for the thir 13th or, or you know, one could be 13th and one could be 11th and they're playing for the 12th spot. So more regular season games will matter. And then on top of that, not only will more regular season games matter, but all of the conference championship games will matter because everybody will either be playing for a bid into the playoff or even a team like Georgia or Michigan this weekend that knows that they're in. You have to win that conference championship game to get a first round buy, which I would think most teams want. And I do think that it will create some interesting dynamics in the conference championship games, um, which again, I, I guess in theory is a net positive. Also, no more opt-outs out of bowl games because they're really there will still be bowl games, but they'll be so far down the pecking order that it really won't matter. With that said, though, I am not in favor of college football playoff expansion, and I want to get into why, and I want to share the other perspective because I think 99% of people who cover college football are only going to tell you what I just told you. More games that matter in the regular season. More this, more that, more blah, 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 blah. And as I always tell you, more isn't always better. I like ice cream. It's not It's not the best thing to have for breakfast. It's not the best thing to have seven nights a week. Same with a, a, a drink. You know, you, you earn the drink at the end of the day. There's a reason that in theory, you're not slugging beers at 9 a.m., okay? So I'm not in favor of more of everything is always better, and I'm not in favor of expansion of the college football playoff. First of all, 
I think a lot of the reasons to expand the playoff are mostly nonsense, okay? So first off, there's this idea that we're going to create more games that matter. We might create more games that matter. I don't know that there's going to be more people caring about those games, though, okay? What I mean by that is college football is a brand-based entity, a brand-based enterprise, okay? I don't believe that if Minnesota and Iowa are playing for the 11th spot, that you're going to rearrange your schedule to watch it. I know in theory it means more late in the season, but when Iowa and Wisconsin play late, when Minnesota and Wisconsin play late, that already means something to the people that care about that game. I don't think there's going to be this new wave of people in Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and Montana and Washington that all of a sudden are like, well, honey, you know, get the babysitter. Iowa and Minnesota are playing for the 11 seed. I don't believe that is going to happen, okay? I don't believe that opt-outs were ever a problem for bowl games. I've said it many times. The Rose Bowl was more viewed last year as a non-playoff game than any single NBA game until the finals. You guys and girls still watch the Rose Bowl. You can tell me it's meaningless. You can tell me it doesn't matter. You still tuned in to watch it. And on top of that, I do think it creates some problems with those conference championship games. Everybody talks about how they don't mean anything now and they're going to mean something going forward. But I think it creates a little bit of a chaos factor, too, where you have teams like, say, a Utah this year, which right now would be in the playoff as a 12-team playoff. They got to go play an extra game, and they can play themselves out of the playoff. So I don't know how it's fair. I think you're going to be punished for playing in conference championship games, and I guarantee this is going to be a problem. But more than anything, why I'm against the college football playoff expansion is really for two reasons. One basically, and let me even, I'll even backtrack and explain it like this. Okay. Why I'm not in favor of college football playoff expansion is pretty straightforward. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying, it. I believe that it is a solution to a problem that does not exist. Okay. I believe it is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist from this perspective. What I mean, what I'm going to say is this, is that in theory, we're expanding the playoff as a more equitable way to crown a national champion. In other words, the way we're doing it is okay now. It could be better. I don't believe that. I don't buy it, and I don't believe that this is going to solve any problems that currently exist in college football, okay? So first of all, this idea that, oh, you know, we're leaving out so many teams that deserve to be in. No, we're not. Look at this year. Look at this year. And think about who would be, we, we might not even get to four teams. If USC and TCU lose, you know who's going to make the playoff this year? Probably Ohio State, which just got smacked in its biggest game, and Alabama, who lost the two biggest games of their season. So we're having trouble getting to four teams now, and now we're going to add eight more teams? So think about what a 12-team playoff would look like this year. Everyone, oh, it's so great, we got all these extra games. Well, first of all, we have extra games now. They're called bowl games. They're awesome. We all watch them. But two, think about who's going to make a 12-team playoff and who would make a 12-team playoff this year. Alabama and Ohio State, who went a combined 0-3 in their three biggest games of the year. Alabama lost to LSU and Tennessee. Ohio State lost to Michigan. Combined to go 0-3 in their three biggest games. Both schools want half of their coaching staff fired. You also, on top of that, have a Clemson team that all year long played the wrong quarterback. So congrats to them on making the playoff if they win the ACC championship game. Um, you would have a Tennessee team without their starting quarterback. You would have a Penn State team that lost the only two games on their schedule that mattered, Michigan and Ohio State. These are the teams that we're putting in a college football playoff. Why? They're not worthy. Shouldn't you have to earn something like the college football playoff? So to me, not only are you not solving any problems, you're putting teams in that simply don't deserve. And then what ends up happening is the exact opposite of what you think is going to happen. Instead of saying Alabama doesn't deserve to be in, Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in, now they potentially get in, and now, guess what happens? Maybe they're a little bit more motivated, maybe they're a little bit more inspired, maybe they end up winning a game or two, and so I don't think we're going to get more parity, I don't think we're going to get more anything other than the best teams still winning. Now you're putting in more of those elite upper-level teams, and you're making it harder for a TCU or a USC that earned their way in to get through because now they got to play in Ohio State and a Michigan back to back and Ohio State, a Georgia and then a Michigan and Ohio State and Alabama and then a Michigan. And so I don't think it's going to create more parity. 
I don't necessarily, I think it's going to be the same three or four teams at the top. We know who the best teams are and why I worry about it. Why I do not like the college football playoff expansion. I'm just going to tell you right now. I believe that it fundamentally changes everything that we love about college football. Okay. So here's what I mean by that. Okay. So think about that Ohio state game a few weeks, uh, last week against Michigan. Okay. Think about everything that was at stake. It's a rivalry, big 10 East, big 10 championship college football playoff is on the line. Now think about it in the playoff world, expanded playoff. world. What ends up happening? Ohio state loses that game. Eh, Come back, get rest. Now you get a week off while Michigan's got to go play again. And we're talking about a situation where Ohio State's still in the playoff and maybe they get in and maybe they beat whoever. And that game against Michigan, that loss meant nothing. And what we love about college football is that the stakes every single week matter. Think about Alabama against LSU. It felt you could feel the tension in the air. Same with Michigan, Ohio State. Same with TCU Baylor. I don't think TCU is that good, like relative to Georgia or Michigan. But TCU Baylor, TCU doesn't make that field goal. Now their whole season is completely different. Future doesn't really mean much. You just bounce back, come back the next week, whatever, hunky-dory. And so to me, I think we're losing the essence of what makes college football college football. What makes college football college football? Every week matters. Every game matters. Every moment, every single week matters. And now, you know what it's going to feel like? I can tell you what it's going to feel like. It's going to feel like the NFL. And so what I am not saying about this situation, I'm not saying people won't watch. Oh, nobody's going to watch the regular season because it doesn't mean as much. I think there's going to be less. Like, that's one thing that I get all the time. People are like, well, Torres, you love college basketball. Why would you not want more college football? I love college basketball. I'm also one of like 11 people that watch the college basketball regular season. Okay. And so I do worry a little bit about it's not going to feel as important. It's not going to feel as meaningful And if you miss a game or you miss a moment or you miss a play, well, guess what? Ohio State gets to come back in the playoff and I'll watch them then. Alabama lost their last two games. Who cares? They'll figure it out. I don't like that. I'm not for it. And to to, to the final point that I, I was just about to make is that I do feel like and I do worry that, again, it's going to have an NFL feel to it where we'll still watch it. We'll still love it. We'll still care. We'll still have fun. But think about how you consume the NFL. We watched, say, remember that Minnesota-Buffalo game a few weeks ago? Incredible. Incredible. But one team won and one team lost. We all watched it, but then one team won and one team lost. Everybody went on their way. Buffalo season's not over. It doesn't mean anything. Same, by the way, with fill-in-the-blank game. Whoever. Can't think of another big game from the NFL this year. Whatever. Bills-Jets. Bills-Dolphins. Dolphins-Jets. Whatever. Think about the big games. The Chargers and Chiefs. Chargers and Chiefs play twice. It's awesome. We enjoy it. But there's no life and death. We know that if the Chargers go 10-7, and they're making the playoffs. And in college football, that's what's going to end up happening. That Ohio State-Michigan game, well, Ryan Day just goes to the podium and says, yeah, we shouldn't have lost to Michigan. But at the same time, we'll get them in a few weeks. And so to me, it does fundamentally change everything that we love about college football. I don't like it. I'm not in favor of it. There's nothing I can do about it, so I'm going to stop complaining. College football playoff expansion is here. I'm not in favor. I don't think we're going to get more great games. I think most of the teams that are missing the playoffs are fundamentally flawed. Clemson is flawed. Alabama's flawed. Ohio State's flawed. Uh, Utah's flawed. Kansas State's flawed. I'm just not in favor of it. I'm just not, and I think if anything, all it's going to do is create less parity because now you're putting in more of those elite teams. You're giving Ohio State, you're giving Alabama basically a hall pass to, to goof off during the regular season. As long as they go 10-2, and 9-3, and three, they're getting in, and then they're probably beating your favorite team that had an incredible year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really quickly, because um, I do want to get to some college hoops, I'll just give my, my, my conference championship game picks. I'm not going to do a deep dive. If you want the deep dive preview, uh, the college football betting show is out. College football betting with Aaron Torres. Encourage you to check it out. Uh, let, let, let's just go through them all really quick. USC, Utah, USC is a two and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Um, I like USC. I, I think for the last two weeks, we all I've heard is USC. They're not going to get through this gauntlet. They're not this. They're not that. They're not tough enough. Well, I thought they had the blueprint last week against Notre Dame. You don't have to worry about how well you run the ball. If we just get up and we keep putting pressure on you to score, you can't run the ball and run out the clock like Notre Dame wants to do. And I think that's USC's game plan against Utah. The fact that they already played Utah once, it was a one-point game in cold, wet, essentially snowy conditions in Salt Lake City, probably a good sign for USC. The game is indoors in Vegas. Um, I, I, I just think USC wins. I think they win. I think Caleb Williams clinches the Heisman. I think they're going to the college football playoff. Speaking of going to the college football playoff, TCU's a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Kansas State in the Betfred Sportsbook as well. You know, this is one I'd be lying if I said I had a great, great, great feel for because I don't know how you can confidently bet TCU. And this is something we talk about on the college football betting show. But think about TCU season. They've had close, low-scoring games like Texas. They've had walk-off wins against against, uh, Baylor the other day. They've had blowout wins like against Oklahoma. They've had shootout high-scoring wins like Oklahoma State. They've had big come-from-behind victories. So with TCU, I can't sit here and say that I feel great about any one side or they're definitively going to win or they're definitively going to lose. With that said, I'll probably take TCU just because it feel I get Team of Destiny vibes from this team. They're 12-0. and 0, They're unbelievable. Now, I don't think that they're going to get in. And I think the other thing, too, I don't think they're going to get into the playoff if they don't win this game. And so I'm picking TCU. I do believe Ohio State would jump them. And so if I'm TCU, I think the only way to know you're getting into the playoff is to win this game. I think they do. Really quickly, the Saturday, the rest of the Saturday games, they're just they're not as important. I hate to say it. Georgia LSU in the SEC championship game. Georgia's an 18-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. This game actually gives me big vibes of the 2019 SEC title game. In that game, Georgia played LSU, but LSU, that was the Joe Burrow team. LSU was a heavy favorite about the middle of the week. You start to hear, can Georgia make it interesting? And then LSU destroyed them. And that's what I think happens in Atlanta on Saturday. One LSU, their starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels, left the game on Saturday in a walking boot, left Kyle Field in a walking boot. That's not a good sign. LSU gave up the second most sacks in the SEC this year. That would worry me. And I also just think Georgia's a big game team. Not great all the time. Weren't great against Georgia Tech. Weren't great against Missouri earlier in the year. But take care of business in the big games. Destroyed Tennessee when people said, oh, they might lose this one. Destroyed Oregon to open the season. Georgia wins. Georgia wins convincingly. Big Ten, Michigan's going to roll Purdue. Shout out to AT. I picked Purdue to win the Big Ten West in the preseason. But I do like Michigan to win that game. And in the ACC, I like North Carolina to pull off the outright upset as a a 7.5-point underdog against Clemson. North Carolina throws the crap out of the ball. Clemson's weakness is in their secondary. And Clemson, I just think they're checked out. I think last year was the year for Clemson that you could kind of say, we'll be back next year. We missed the playoff this year. It's okay. We're going to rebound and prove the doubters wrong. Well, now it's two years in a row. You're not going to the playoff. I just don't think Clemson's that good. All right. Long first segment of the Air Tour Sports Pod. Long, long, long first segment. This is what I'm going to do. Take a quick break. Come back. When I come back. We're going to switch gears, talk a little college hoops. We had Creighton, Texas on Thursday night. We had the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We'll recap some of that. Take a quick break. Be right back. And then from there, we'll, of course, wrap Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and talk a little college hoops. So obviously, look, big weekend in college football, but the college hoops is ramping up and credit to college hoops. I've said this for a long time, but I think college hoops does a great job of scheduling just a lot of games early on in the season that you want to watch. Last Friday, we talked about the Maui Invitational. Uh, on Tuesday's show, we talked about the PK-85 events, the dueling events up in Portland. We talked a little bit about the battle for Atlantis. And since then, we've had two other marquee events as the uh, the, the the Big East Big 12 Challenge has gone on. And more notably, the Big 10 ACC Challenge has gone on for what we found out was the final time. So apparently, because of all these shifting uh, TV contracts and the Big Ten is now going to be off of ESPN altogether, we're going to get an ACC-SEC challenge next year, which means we're probably going to get Duke, Kentucky, you know, Arkansas, Carolina, or whatever. So that's going to be awesome. But it was the final ACC-Big Ten challenge, and uh, I want to talk about some of those games, and then we'll hit on some of the Big 12-Big East challenge games. But let's start in the ACC. Let's start in the ACC-Big Ten challenge. And let me start by saying this. I think the marquee game in this event was North Carolina against Indiana. And so let me start by giving credit to the man that I am forever indebted to, and that's my boy Mike Effin Woodson. That's right. First time in a long time I've talked about Mike Effin Woodson on this show, but on Wednesday night, Indiana hosts North Carolina. North Carolina is still ranked in the top 25 despite taking two losses last week in Portland. Final score, 77-65. to Mike Effin Woodson. By the way, you can get your Mike Effin Woodson tees at AaronTorresOnline.com slash merchandise. And what I would say about Indiana is this. I've actually been very impressed by them early in the season. One at Xavier a few weeks ago, first big game of the Sean Miller era at Xavier, and a bounce back and a comeback in this game. And what I thought really impressed me about this Indiana performance, I think it showed this team is probably a little bit deeper and a little bit more high level in some spots than I was probably expecting, to be honest. Okay, so Trace Jackson Davis, who's their star, he's now a senior fourth year guy. You know, I think you could argue maybe the front runner for national player of the year at this point. He finishes the game with 21 points, 10 rebounds. Just such a cool story of a guy that has continued to come back, not rush the process, not rush to the pros. I guarantee he's making good NIL money and he's turned into a very good college basketball player and will probably be an iconic Indiana player when it's all said and done, especially if this team reaches its potential. But on top of Trace Jackson Davis, what stood out to me about this Indiana team is everybody else in terms of the guys they have around him. Xavier Johnson, a point guard, he was awesome late in the year last year. I thought he was actually the reason that Indiana went on a late run at the Big Ten tournament into the NCAA tournament. He finishes with 20 points, eight boards, four assists, two steals, just a super athletic guard, another senior, been around, transferred from Pitt. He's really good. And Indiana has a freshman named Jalen hood Shafino, who I think is worth keeping an eye on, 14 points in this game, uh, and six rebounds and two three-pointers made. The problem is that while I do want to give credit to Indiana, I don't think they played anywhere close to the best game that they could have played. And my bigger concern is North Carolina. And so here's the quick deal, right? We talked about North Carolina on Tuesday, and I will say they went on the road in this game and winning on the road in college hoops is it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. I don't want to dismiss it as an easy thing, but I think I just might've been wrong on North Carolina this season. And we're going to talk about it a little bit in Aaron, right? Aaron wrong. But as I said on Tuesday, look, I didn't buy the narrative that, oh, North Carolina just got hot late last season, and that was the only reason that they were overranked in the end, uh, coming into the season. Well, they got hot, made the national championship game, but I also, as I've told you many times, the final two months of the calendar season, 
two months of the season from February, whatever it is, third or fourth to the night of the championship game. They were like 14 and three overall in their final 17 games, go to the title game, beat Duke twice, once at Duke, once in the final four, beat the reigning national champion Baylor. And so I said, I don't think this is like a, they just got, they, they were hot for like literally half the year. And so to me, I never bought that narrative, but I will tell you, and I said it on Tuesday, I just might've been dead wrong on this team because they do not look, they, they look, you know what they look like. They look a lot like North Carolina early last season, to be perfectly honest, in a season where they got blown out early in the year by Tennessee early in the year by, uh, I believe it was. I can't even remember Purdue, maybe in a, in a, in a tournament at Mohegan sun, they got blown out by Kentucky and Vegas. They got blown out quite a few times early in the season. And so it does concern me a little bit that this kind of looks like that team from last year to go back to what I talked about on Tuesday. I'm still concerned. Caleb love the star guard continues to struggle finished on Tuesday's game five of 16 from the field. This just a couple days after finishing that Alabama quadruple overtime game, uh, shooting 36% from the field. He just has struggled quite a bit this season um, and looks a lot like he did last year. And so I don't want to overreact because Hubert Davis figured it out with almost an identical group this time last year. But at the same time, man, I'm just sitting there saying this team looks a lot like last year. It is not a good sign at all, but credit to Indiana for getting that big win. Indiana, by the way, they got a couple, uh, you know, a couple big 10 games. Then how about this? Next Saturday, they play Arizona in Vegas. And then after that, they go to Kansas before the end of December. So you want to get a feel for how good Indiana is. They could, not saying they will, could potentially have wins over North Carolina, Arizona, and Kansas by the end of the month. That sure would show us something. Some of the other notable games in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Listen, I'll be honest. You know, Duke did play against Ohio State. Uh, Duke won by nine. I actually came away a little bit more impressed with Ohio State to go on the road. And I think that's one thing with all of these pre-conference tournaments, right? Maui Invitational, Battle for Atlantis, whatever. I think we forget how hard it is to go on the road and compete and that's exactly what Ohio State did on Wednesday night against Duke at Duke. They lose by nine. I thought they played hard. I thought it was really competitive. 16 turnovers in that game. I think they're going to be better than I maybe anticipated. This was a team that went to Maui, did beat Texas Tech, did get a couple wins out in Maui, goes to Duke. I came away more impressed by Ohio State than disappointed or concerned with them. So good, good effort by Duke. They get the win. That's all that matters. But I think Ohio State probably impressed me a little bit more than I expected. Let's go, though, back to Tuesday night with one team that absolutely, positively did not impress me at all. And that's the Syracuse Orange. And Illinois just destroyed Syracuse in this game. The final score in this one. How about this? Illinois 73, Syracuse 44. And so I'll give credit where it's due. Okay. So Barstool, big cat, big cat. He hosts at Barstool. He's a really talented guy. I don't know him personally. I think he's really good at what he does, but he basically tweeted out calling Jim Beheim out. And I said this, I said, I've been calling out Jim Beheim for years. And I am glad that somebody finally acknowledges what I'm saying. Listen, I don't want any old man to retire if he doesn't want to retire. Okay. But at the same time, here is my thought on Jim Behan. If he really cared about Syracuse basketball, he would step away. Because the bottom line and the cold hard truth is that this guy is so checked out. And all I think I truly believe at this point, the only reason he is coaching is because he wants something to do. He's clearly not on top of his game. His sons have left the school. And here is a stat. It really blew my mind when I looked it up. And I think it's been overshadowed by the fact that Syracuse has a couple nice NCAA tournament runs. Do you know since the 2016 season, 2016, so we're now going on six years, this is the seventh year, Syracuse has not finished with less than 13, 14 losses, 14 losses or more in every single season since 2016, except of course for the COVID year where they only played 18 games total, 28 games total. And so I bring it up because it's just not working. 
And Syracuse, I've said it a million times. I'm going to keep saying it. I'll probably do this rant again at some point. But Syracuse, I believe, is one of the top probably 12 to 15 jobs in college basketball. I believe it's an underrated place. If you've ever been to a big game at the Carrier Dome, there is nothing like it. Nothing compares. It's one of the elite home courts. And Jim Beheim is just so checked out at this point. Syracuse falls to three and four. Credit to Illinois. They get the win in this game. And I'll tell you, Illinois has actually got a really interesting game with Maryland on Friday night tonight as you listen to this. Maryland is a surprisingly impressive team. Remember, Kevin Willard, who was at Seton Hall, has gone to Maryland. Maryland is now 7-0. They destroyed Louisville. Every game that Maryland played has been a double-figure win. They will play Illinois on Friday night at Illinois or at Maryland, excuse me. So a fascinating matchup. Maryland is 7-0. Illinois enters 6-1. But I'm very impressed by Illinois. This was a team, I thought they were a little bit overrated coming into the year. Kentucky fans, you probably remember the name Sky Clark was committed to Kentucky. He's now Illinois' starting point guard. I said, I don't know about a team that has a starting point guard that's a true freshman that was kind of a fringe five-star, probably high four-star. Here's the thing, though. The transfers have been the difference at Illinois. TJ Shannon, 20 points per game coming into tonight. Dane Danger, which is a real name from Baylor, 12 points, nine, uh, 12.7 boards. Coleman Hawkins, a junior who's been around this program for a while, had a triple-double. Credit to them. You know, I think that's really it from the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You know, Virginia won at Michigan. Michigan, of course, plays Kentucky in London this weekend. I don't think Michigan's very good. Kentucky fans, if you don't beat Michigan, we got some big problems to discuss, which we will discuss on Monday's show, depending on how that game goes. Really quickly, from the Big 12 uh, Big 12 Big East Challenge that is going on right now, a couple results worth noting. We did have on Thursday night a top 10 matchup between Texas and Creighton. Remember, Texas a few weeks ago hosted Gonzaga, opened their new building, and absolutely destroyed, destroyed Gonzaga. Well, Texas wins by five in this one, 72 to 67. But I came away actually more impressed with Creighton. Remember, Creighton went to the Maui Invitational. They had that war, that crazy game against Arkansas. Creighton pulls out the win. They lose to Arizona in the championship game of that event. But I only bring it up to say, I came away very impressed by Creighton. I've been telling you all offseason, they're awesome. They go to Texas, and in a credit to Texas, Texas holds Creighton, which came into the night, shooting a blistering on the season. They shot, they were shooting coming in a blistering 38% from three. Texas holds them to four of 27 shooting from behind the arc. So it's a credit to Texas. But what it really says to me, honestly, is that Creighton only losing by five at Texas in a game where they shot four of 27. That's actually probably a great sign for Creighton because that's a true road game, all that good stuff. Good news for your boy Torres. I'm actually, Creighton's playing in Vegas in a few weeks. I will be at one of their games. Excited to see them in person. I think Creighton's a legitimate Final Four threat. Top 10 team in the country. They're really good. The fact that they go to Texas and only lose by five, I actually think is a weird net positive. Also, credit where it's due. I had doubts about Texas last year. I thought they over underachieved for the most part, returned virtually everybody from last year, except adding one key freshman and one key transfer in Tyrese Hunter. Tyrese Hunter was the star against Gonzaga, did not play as well on Thursday night. Texas might be for real. And Texas is another one. First two big home, first two big games of the season were at home. We're going to find out because they play Illinois at the Jimmy V Classic next week in New York. So we're going to find out a ton about Texas. One final, well, two final results. One, UConn kicked the crap out of Oklahoma State. It was a 10-point final score, but it was a game that was never really that competitive. Listen, I'm not trying to be biased. UConn, I believe playing at its best is as good as anybody in college basketball. Four straight wins over Power 5 teams. Four straight wins all by double figures. Destroyed Oregon, destroyed Alabama, destroyed Iowa State in Portland. Come back and win by 10. And how about this for a score? This one was a stunner to me. I was hosting radio, could not watch it closely. Going to go back and watch the film over the course of the weekend. How about Marquette? Shaka Smart going to play Baylor, which was ranked in the top 10 at the time. 
and they destroyed Baylor. Final score, 96 to 70. They hit 12 of 25 from three. They have 23 uh, assists on 35 made baskets. And more importantly, they controlled the uh, they 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 controlled the tempo. They controlled the pace. They only had nine turnovers, forced twenty turnovers for Baylor. And so I'll say this for Marquette: a couple things. One, I saw them a little bit. They played at Purdue early in the season. They played Mississippi State on a neutral court. Mississippi State's good. Chris Jans, we'll talk about him at some point in the season. But Shaka Smart, this might be the spot. He's got grinders. He's got tough guys. This isn't Texas for him. He's got the right group of guys, and I think this team has a chance to be really good, and they are certainly overachieving winning this game. Um, From Baylor's perspective, just got to lick your wounds and rally, but how about Marquette with a 26-point win over a top-10 Baylor team? Again, I think Shaka Smart might have found his groove and his niche at Marquette. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and when we come back, we're going to wrap the show like we do every Friday show with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. A lot of interesting college hoops and college football stuff to get to. Take a quick break. Be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with how we wrap basically every Friday episode with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Now, last week we didn't do it because I did an emergency Black Friday show from a, a you know a dungeon in a hotel the other day just to get out a show on Friday. But we're back, and this is how we end every week. I think most people know the deal by now. But for people who do not know, I uh, did steal this bit from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Don't ever want anybody saying Torres took Cowherd's bit. Yeah, it's a great bit. Stole it, owning up to it. But the reason we wrap the show every single week with Aaron right, Aaron wrong is pretty straightforward. Over the course of a week, a month, a year, whatever, nobody likes giving out more sports opinions than your boy Torres. And when Torres gets stuff right, Torres loves to tell you. Torres said this. Why didn't you listen to Torres there? Torres, 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 Torres. As I said all the time, I never shut up. Well, that's why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. That way, I get to take my little victory lap about the few things that I get right, but I also got to take my medicine on the stuff that I got wrong. And let me tell you, this is a great week if you don't like when I'm right. A lot of stuff wrong these last couple weeks since I last did this. So let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. So if you go back to the preseason in college football, I think it was probably a week or two before the season. I did a show and it was kind of like 10 big questions in college football going into the season. And one of the topics that I said was, here's a question nobody's asking. What if Ryan Day actually loses to Michigan for a second straight year? What are people saying? And of course, at the time, there was a Torres, you're crazy. They're not going to lose. Stop it. Nobody thinks that Ryan Day isn't a great coach. Well, fast forward to last Saturday, and I watched Ryan Day choke big time at home against Michigan. It wasn't just that they lost, but it was everything that we talked about on Monday. It was the fact that this guy had a year to tell us that he was going to get it right. He had a year to bring in a new defensive coordinator. He had a year to build up toughness, and it was basically the exact same thing that happened last year, only it was more dominant for Michigan with many injuries, all sorts of stuff not going in Michigan's way. And oh, by the way, I don't think Ryan Day really helped himself either with some of the play calling, two decisions to punt, one in the third quarter, one midway through the fourth. Bottom line is this. 
As I said on Monday's show, nobody's saying that Ryan Day is getting fired, but I do think we're asking a lot of tough questions. Is he really that good of a coach? Did he just inherit a perfect situation? It is interesting that this program seems to take a little bit of a step back every year the further they get away from the Urban Meyer era. Not saying he's a bad coach. Not saying he's going to get fired, but I told you. We are going to have to have some very interesting conversations about Ryan Day if they don't beat Michigan again this year. Fast forward, they don't. Those conversations are happening. Can't lie, I nailed that one. Where Aaron was wrong. So listen, so listen, Michigan gets the win, but all season long, I got I got to take this is a huge L for me. All season long I said, I don't really see it with JJ McCarthy, Michigan's starting quarterback. If you remember, the whole story with Michigan was this kid was the backup last year, but he gives them a higher upside. They need to put him into the lineup. Jim Harbaugh does. And throughout the regular season, I kept saying, where is the special? Where is the difference? Where is the X factor? Where is the, the, the X? You know, what's the what's the difference between this guy and the guy that replaced him? Well, the last two weeks, he's basically won them games. A few weeks ago against Illinois, they're struggling late. He picks up a few crucial first downs. And he was the difference against Ohio State. Again, he was a guy that when the run game wasn't working, he was picking up plays with his feet. He obviously made a couple big plays with his arm. And this kid appears to be special. Listen, I don't know what it all means for Michigan now that Blake Corm's out, if they can win a national championship or not. But I was told for a year that this guy gave the Michigan program a higher upside. I did not see it. I was vocal and public about it. And I got to take the L. I was dead wrong. Where Aaron was right. Let's stick with Ohio State. And I'll just say this. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And what did I say all week long in the lead up to the Ohio State-Michigan game? Everybody was saying Ohio State's at home. They haven't looked great. But I'm still picking Ohio State because XYZ. And what did I tell you? I said, look, I made this mistake with Alabama. I'm not going to make it again. With Alabama, we all, myself included, Kept saying, wait till they figure it out. They're going to figure it out. It's only a matter of time. It never happened. And now Alabama is 10-2, and two, not in the SEC. Obviously, the, Nash, uh, the SEC championship picture this week. We'll see if they get into the playoff. But I said the same with Ohio State. I said, listen, no one's questioning the talent. I don't even blame Ryan Day necessarily for everything. But I said, something hasn't been right. There have been so many games where they easily could lose and they go ahead and find a way to win, and we pass them along to the next game, and we assume they'll figure it out, and they never do. Well, fast forward to the Michigan game. Again, I think they had chances early in the first half when Michigan could not run the ball to really create separation, to really create discomfort. They couldn't do it. They end up getting blown off the field. Shame on anybody who doubted Michigan, and shame on anybody who really believed that just because it was Ohio State-Michigan that Ohio State was going to figure it out. I told you, there was something not right with this team for the last six, seven, eight weeks. I think they actually got worse after their bye, something you don't normally say. Uh, and they got some big questions going into whatever the postseason is for them, and then, of course, the offseason as well. Where Aaron was wrong. All right, this is another big L. I just talked about a big J.J. McCarthy L. Well, let's talk about a big college basketball L because North Carolina was my preseason number one pick. They were my preseason national championship pick. And my argument all offseason was this. Everybody says, well, you know, North Carolina, are they really that good or did they just get hot in the tournament? And what did I keep saying all summer long? I said, stop with the, they just got hot in the tournament. The fact was they were 14 and three in their final 17 games, 14 and three over the final two calendar months of the year. And this team is going to be fine. They should be number one in the country and deservedly so. Uh, yeah, apparently I was dead wrong on that because you fast forward to now and we just talked about the Indiana game, but North Carolina takes two losses in Portland in the PK 85, the quadruple overtime loss to Alabama. And the disappointing thing is, I think they look a lot like the same team that struggled last year. Caleb Love, the, the shot selection isn't there. There's not great ball movement. And it really does appear as though they miss Brady Manick. So I was one. I didn't believe it. I didn't buy it. I thought they'd be really good this year. Well, right now, it's not. It's December 1st as I'm recording, December 2nd as you're listening. And North Carolina already has three losses looking a lot like they did a year ago. Where Aaron was right. Well, this one, I'm going to take a victory lap on because I told you all offseason. I said, I don't understand the Gonzaga hype. And really smart people, 
that cover college basketball for a living. There was actually a debate, North Carolina, Gonzaga, and everybody else. And I said, I don't think Gonzaga's in that group. Now, I was wrong about North Carolina, but I said with Gonzaga, I diagnosed the problem with Gonzaga back in April. I said, who is their starting point guard? Because Andrew Nemhard is gone. And unless you believe Nolan Hickman or Hunter Salas, two guys who barely played last year, are going to take a major, major, major leap, they don't have a point guard. And so don't tell me about the three-point shooting. Don't tell me about Andrew Timmy. Don't tell me about anything. Who is going to take care of the ball? Fast forward. They are averaging close to 15 turnovers per game. Uh, there is no continuity on the offense. They are averaging right around one assist to one turnover. And listen, it's no direct criticism. But this was a team that I thought was somewhere maybe in the 10 to 15 range. Credit to them for picking up a few nice wins, by the way. They've obviously beaten Kentucky. They obviously beat Michigan State. They obviously beat Xavier. But they got smoked by Purdue. This after getting smoked by Texas a few weeks ago, I told you this wasn't going to be a vintage quintessential Gonzaga team, and I ended up being dead right, where Aaron was wrong. So let's go back to college football, and I have not ever been a believer in Shane Beamer. I said, look, I think this guy's a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. I felt like he got, a, you know, people liked him because he does goofy stuff on social media. He dressed up like Steve Spurrier at SEC Media Day. Uh, he took the Mayo bath after the bowl win. Show me the big wins is what I was saying two weeks ago. Then he knocked Tennessee out of the playoff picture. And then he knocked Clemson out of the playoff picture. And I was dead wrong. Now, listen, I still don't know what the upside of this program is in the Shane Beamer era, can he get them back to the levels of Steve Spurrier where they were competing for SEC titles? It's going to be tough with the way that Georgia is going. But as I've said many times, this is now the 12-team playoff era. We have to recalibrate expectations of a program. And again, I think like so many SEC teams, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's Ole Miss, whether it's whomever, when you're talking about Auburn with Hugh Freeze, who we're going to talk about in a minute, but when you're talking about what is a ceiling for a program? Now, all of a sudden, with that 12-team playoff, South Carolina looks a little bit different. Tennessee looks a little bit different. Auburn, Ole Miss look a little bit different. Can Shane Beamer get them to the, the, the top, top upper echelon of the SEC? I don't know, but I was dead wrong on this guy. Really quickly, where Aaron was right. The day that the Nebraska job opened, I said Matt Rule, I believed, was the best candidate. Even before the Auburn job opened, I said... You should go after Lane Kiffin, but ultimately, I, I don't think he's coming, and then go get Hugh Freeze. Well, fast forward a month, two months, three months in the case of Nebraska, and those two guys have landed in their spots. I think they're both going to be good. Again, what is the true ceiling of Auburn? Can they really compete for national championships when you're two rivals right now, and we'll see what realignment looks like, are Alabama and, and uh, Georgia? I don't know, but I think he's going to be a lot better than Brian Harson. He's hit the ground running and recruiting. I think he's going to be really good. And then from there, Matt Rule, listen, if it doesn't work with Matt Rule, it's probably never going to work at Nebraska. I know we said that about Scott Frost, but Matt Rule won at Temple, won at Baylor, built Baylor into a playoff contender by year three. And I'm so excited to see what he has in store in Nebraska for the Cornhuskers. Don't know if they'll ever be great again, but credit to those two schools. There was one obvious guy. They both got him. And now I'm excited to see what's next. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, and I was dead wrong on this. I thought USC would be good, but I thought the hype was a little bit too much. I really did. I just said, look, the Lincoln-Riley stuff is incredible. It's a great story for college football. But this team went 4-8 and eight last year. Come on, we're not really talking about them coming in 10-2, and 11-1 and one in playoff, right? Maybe year two, maybe year three. By then, they'll be in the Big Ten. Who really knows? I was dead wrong on USC, and I was wrong on Caleb Williams, too. Early in the preseason, I, I opened this segment by talking about in the preseason, I said this. Well, in the preseason, I said, Caleb Williams, you go back to the big games against marquee opponents, Baylor, um, Oklahoma State last year. He really wasn't great. Well, I was dead wrong on Caleb Williams. I was dead wrong on USC. They are playing tonight for a Pac-12 title, and we know what happens there. If they win, they're going to the college football playoff. With that said, I think it is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well. 
just broke 15,000 subscribers. Could not do it all without your guys and girls' support. So thank you for that. Uh, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. As I told you, at Aaron Torres Pod, we got some new graphics up there on Instagram. The Instagram page is about to be popping. Make sure you're following. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. Bet $50 on any game this weekend. Get 250 in free bets courtesy of Betfred. And that's really all I got for you guys and girls. Shout out to Torn Crank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you have fed. I'll be back on Monday, and we'll have a playoff field to talk about that. Playoff, playoff. That's Jim Mora Sr. Jim Mora Jr. is the legend at UConn. We'll discuss him maybe on a future playoff episode. That's all for today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Enjoy the college football. We will be back on Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.